today on the podcast we're sitting down with Andy Wilch. He's actually taken the title for the first person we've ever done a face-to-face podcast with. How's it going, man? Yeah, good, thank you. It's, uh, yeah, as you said, a little bit weird actually talking to someone rather than not just uh, over a phone call or, yeah, doing it face-to-face. Definitely got a different vibe about it, that's for sure. Yeah, sweet. It was a bit unplanned. You just called up last night, you were passing through and pulled a, pulled up a bed for the night and you're heading up to Queensland, is that right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, like anything I do, I guess, like, it's always <laughs> a little bit uh, last minute and on the fly, but, yeah, I think they're more of the funner times that's for sure you don't know what's going to happen the next next part but yeah it's worked out really really well in the end so yeah sweet so everyone that's probably followed you they know what you've been up to for the last sort of year or so but fill everyone in on what's been going on over in europe there yeah so um yeah for those that obviously haven't followed like i yeah at the end of 2020 i was able to get over to europe and spend some money to, to rent a spot on an Italian Husqvarna team there. Um, at the start of 2020, we were racing here in Australia for the Husqvarna factory enduro team. And um, yeah, as you all know, like everything got a bit pear-shaped there. So yeah, with that downtime, I sort of was able to weigh up a lot of things and felt like, yeah, in this point in my career, it was a good chance to throw everything at it. And the, the one dream I had was to go race in Europe. So um, I'd had a little taste of it back in 2017 and that kind of got me hooked and from then on was trying to find a way to get over there the most affordable way possible so yeah um, yeah with that situation I just sort of put everything into it and gave it a, a good go and um, yeah got a two month stint over there at the end of 2020 and then come home spoke with a few people tried to sell the idea of going back for a full season and yeah, luckily enough, got some really good support through a few people and, um, yeah, family, everyone involved basically could see that it was a good opportunity to, to give it a good go and, um, yeah, got to spend nine months in the end over in Europe based in Italy racing, yeah, the World Championship, the Italian National Championship and, yeah, just uh, learning as much as I could from a full-time race team, so. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I reckon you made the right decision because there's not much going on in Australia for the last couple of years racing-wise, so. Yeah, yeah, it was, um, you know, scary at the time because you never knew what, like, the situation was going to be like overseas, if racing would go ahead or you're throwing all that um, commitment and money at, at yeah. something that might not come off. But um, yeah. I knew that worst case scenario, I get to go overseas and if it doesn't have play out, yeah, <laughs> have a holiday and, um, yeah, and, like, you know, you, you knew that, okay, you, you might lose the money on the flights to get there, but... You know the team was good enough where if things went pear shaped, they weren't going to charge you for for things that didn't happen. So yeah, luckily, yeah, found a good connection in that, uh, which was just through Instagram. Just stalked a, a whatever Husqvarna team there was overseas and hit them up, and uh, yeah, luckily they were interested and and we could yeah. figure something out. So no, nah, that was in itself like a pretty cool achievement to to be taken seriously and, and get that opportunity to ride for them yeah. overseas, and then um, yeah. To, to just worry about racing for a season and not working and, and not waking up on a Monday morning thinking, oh, I got this energy to focus at work kind of thing. That was probably my highlight, I reckon, of being able to do it. So, yeah, um, but no, overall, just to to focus on, yeah, those things by racing full-time was awesome and learned so much from that, so. Yeah. So what are the what were the biggest differences over there like obviously there's a, a language barrier and lifestyle food all that stuff um how did you handle that in the beginning 
Yeah, so... That, is this, like, you've been overseas for the six day, but had you, you never really spent, like, a long period of time overseas, is that right? Nah, so, like, the first trip I ever did overseas was uh, in 2017 to Germany, and that was, like, a, I think, a two, yeah, two-week trip. Yeah. Um, the first week, we kind of spent it, like, a bit of a sightseeing and stuff like that, um, but then the second week was a race week in Germany, so... Yeah. That was, yeah, before the six day in 2018. So six day we went to Chile and I spent similar time, like two weeks in Chile. Um, yeah. And that was the same, like you're kind of just there for the racing and not so much living like you're with everyone else. You're, you know, with a good group of people the whole time, both both trips. So yeah, to go, yeah, back in the last two years, like that was a big eye opener because yeah, you're figuring everything out for yourself. Like, yeah. You know, like I was leaving home on my own. Normally, it's with a group of people or a team or things like that. So yeah, yeah, it's a it's a surreal feeling. Like when you're flying out and you're just like, especially that first one. Like obviously with that first lockdowns and stuff. Like the Melbourne airport was, was the pretty, most deserted yeah, yeah. thing I'd ever seen. Like no shops open, no yeah, no people around. Like I think there was ten people on my flight from Australia to Italy or yeah. to Abu Dhabi where I was flying to. So yeah, it was that was a crazy feeling in itself let alone um mm. yeah going there to know you're staying there on your own so yeah for sure nah, that, yeah overall though yeah to to adapt to living in europe like initially took a little bit just i miss the just that like being able to walk up to anyone like don't even have to know them but just being able to start a conversation with someone that was that was the most challenging thing because yeah in italy you find that when you can speak a little bit of Italian, people will speak a little bit of English back. But yeah. if you don't even try to speak Italian, like they won't give you a whole lot. So yeah, uh, yeah. Initially, when I knew no Italian, it was <laughs> a bit of a challenge. Like you were literally just like on mute to everyone. Like you could walk and smile and and head nod, but give a couple of thumbs up and hand gestures. But yeah, nothing, uh, nothing too too much further than that. Like a hello, yeah. goodbye, and and you get on your way kind of thing so yeah I found that to be <clears throat> initially probably the biggest like struggle to adapt to um and that's why I kind of tried to knuckle down and uh yeah like luckily a teammate at the time showed me like a, a language app you could practice and I was on that like every night trying to trying to get better at Italian and and make it feel a little bit more like home like you that way you're not missing those little things and yeah you can um yeah that can take up a bit more of your day when you can have a few conversations here and there and yeah yeah build up those relationships wherever you're based so yeah yeah awesome so how about the racing like it looks like it's a fair bit more demanding the racing compared to the Australian scene like just the terrain and the format of the racing what's the like what's the biggest difference you noticed sort of was it a bit of a shock to the system like the first couple of races or yeah, like, I knew from, like, my experience in 2017, like, a bit of a taste of, of how challenging the tracks can get, um, technical yeah. and, and demanding and stuff like that. So it, Is that, like, it looks like they have, like, some quite technical stuff, like, compared to what we have here in, say, an, a, an AOR, uh, AORC, like, yeah. it looks like they have some stuff that's, like, borderline hard enduro spec. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, that, trials. That, that's what I'd almost, uh, yeah, say... Yeah, on most most rounds, that's what you'd get. Like last year, yeah. I think with everything going on, it was a bit hard for them to run as um, as detailed races as they have in the past, just with so many uncertainties going on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I think Italy there, um, the first Portugal GP we did, like there, 
they are really technical and challenging ones. Like, yeah, um, yeah, as you were saying, like some sections you think you're in a hard enduro race, but you've got to try and race. not, yeah, you got to race it, not make big mistakes where you slide off and off camber and drop down like a bad line and things like that. Yeah. Um, or just get some sections, like just getting it clean can make the difference between like, mm. you know, a top 10 finish or like 20th to 30th kind of thing. So yeah, that was the biggest eye opener. Like you had to technically be really good in the extreme test. Um, we had a few like fast cross tests. So for bike setup, it was a nightmare because you, <laughs> you think you're training in some technical stuff and you get your bike really great for that, which is what I trained a lot in. Like, I I made my decision bike wise off that kind of racing. Yeah. Um, and did a bit of testing the end of 2020 for that reason. Like initially I was on a 450, which I'm comfortable in racing here in Australia with our tracks. Yeah. And I raced that over there and, and it was a handful kind of thing for me, man, like, yeah. you know under 75 kilos on a 450 kind of thing so yeah uh yeah by choosing a bike to suit that kind of racing like i felt a lot more comfortable in those conditions but yeah some races there we'd have a, a technically extreme test and a fast cross test and a fast enduro test so yeah bike setup wise it was um definitely a big challenge but it made for some pretty cool racing and results and like from what i could understand like probably some of the tightest racing they'd had in a little while which was really cool to see yeah yeah awesome so you you ended up on the 300 right yeah like so you found that better for that that sort of varied terrain yeah definitely like i yeah jumped on the 300 two stroke for for last season um yeah yeah and we pretty much like it come about with racing a yeah 450 for the races i did in 2020 and then it was just a way to go riding at the end of that that trip like i couldn't get home with the flights being so expensive so i booked the next cheapest flight which was right before christmas so no one yeah. no one wanted to fly home over christmas obviously which worked out good but badly missed christmas but um yeah to spend an extra month there i didn't have any plan no no bikes or anything to do so i was going to go to the uk so i got my gear bag sent from the last round of the world championship to the uk with a teammate and then as i was flying back to italy to get my stuff to go to the uk the team manager's like, oh, we've got a 302 stroke coming in. Would you like to test that for us? I said, yeah, I'd love to, but I've got no gear because I've just <laughs> sent it over to the UK. So, um, yeah, luckily, like, you know, over the years I've had bits and pieces left there from other riders. So we just threw on, like, someone else's helmet, someone else's <laughs> old boots, you know, bits and pieces that we could make of it all. And, um, yeah, got to test, like, and, and trail ride and just have some fun on a 302 stroke at the end yeah. of that year. Yeah. And yeah, just bit by bit, I was enjoying that bike just in standard form. And I knew that with like a few bits and pieces, we could make it, you know, bit bit easier to ride and um, yeah, better for racing kind of thing. So yeah. Yeah. And at that time they had a E1 rider already, an E2 rider. And then the third spot, if I was to race, would be an E3. So yeah, that leaves you with the option of a 302 stroke or a 504 stroke. So yeah in the conditions I saw, it was going to be hard work on a 500, whereas the 300 felt easy to ride. And yeah, getting back to the demands of the track, the the racing over there, like you're constantly on the bike for eight hours and, you know, on a tough weekend, like you'd be lucky to get five maximum 10 minute breaks every sort of hour and a half, two hours. So yeah. say for instance, you're racing for eight hours, like you're realistically only going to get like 30, 40 minutes off the bike yeah. the rest of the time you're right. trail riding or racing. So yeah, it <clears throat> definitely was demanding and it opened your eyes to like, yeah, having to do that work before the racing 
um, yeah. because it's too late when you rock up to one of them races sort of thing if you're just expecting to build yeah, as yeah. you go so yeah for sure that uh, was that was yeah a key thing like finding a bike that wasn't going to wear me out as much does, uh, do many people actually ride the 500s over there or not really there was a couple this year yeah mainly guys from like spain and stuff like that because their national championships are a bit more similar to here yeah a bit more open uh not so yeah. technical so uh yeah there was two spanish guys three spanish guys sorry on five different 500s so yeah uh the rest yeah like all the italians are 250 four stroke guys um it's rare to even see 300 two stroke riders over there yeah right um you got sort of obviously the guys that like Freeman that are winning like with Beta the last few years and yeah McCanny on a Sherco and things like that but uh yeah like up until yeah up until last year most of the guys would be on especially where I was based would be on like two fifty four strokes or three yeah. fifties no one it barely goes a four fifty over there so yeah okay. It's um, but yeah, that's just due to the fact of the tracks being a lot more technical, and you can get yourself in a lot more trouble on bigger bikes over there. So. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, just different. Yeah, a lot different to what we have here. That's for sure. Yeah, and what about like training wise? Like you kind of mentioned it before, you, you like you went over there, and that was that was like your job for the. Yeah. You didn't have to worry about working per se. Like yeah. so, every day of the week was focused on training, getting the bike better, testing all that stuff. So yeah. What are some of the big things you learn out of that process? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the biggest thing I probably learned is, which we have so, so good here, is that, um, yeah, to go riding over there, we'd lose probably a minimum half the day just from right. traveling and, and yeah. trying to get to places that were replicating what we'd have to do. Yeah, right. Um, like, we had good places to ride, but, um, yeah, you're traveling for minimum 40 minutes to get there for most of the time, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sometimes you drive an hour to get to this one special test and then you do like, you know, you, you're riding there and then by the time you pack up, get back home, you're like middle of the afternoon and yeah. you've lost kind of like that halfway point of the day where you can reset and do something in the afternoon. You kind of, by the time you get home, wash the bike and prep for the next day, you're only left with a certain amount of time before you're cooking dinner and whatnot. So yeah, the way that, um, yeah, the lifestyle is over there too. Like, they're nowhere near as um, trying to jam-pack things in like we do here either. So, that takes a bit of adapting to, And especially, like, in that situation, you don't want to go an hour drive to ride on your own. Whereas, so you're always working in with someone else. Yeah. Um, so, that was probably the biggest challenge. Like, you couldn't be too independent over there. Um, mm. And that's where I think you see the top guys uh, normally have, like, a partner or something that comes along with them and yeah. they can be a little bit more what they need to do and tailored to what they need to do every time yeah and that was like a big thing i kind of learned um yeah you almost need that like i, I just want to go ride this track for this long um and then we'll go do this and that seems to to work for a few of the guys from from what i've seen kind of thing but yeah that was probably the biggest challenge was that traveling <coughs> traveling to go training kind of thing was where you felt like you used a fair bit of your time up sadly so yeah um you know it was like that catch 22 it's like the support's there to ride full-time but then your luxury of being able to ride wherever you want like we have in spots here in australia you didn't have so yeah it's like yeah it's i think in a perfect scenario you'd have like what we have here in australia with the support you can get over in europe so yeah um yeah but bit by bit like anywhere the, the more you live there the more connections you make the easier it would be to to train in good spots and and have that set up better i feel so yeah but yeah overall that was um probably i'd say the biggest challenge but 
yeah, from, from being able to ride full time, like it was really cool to see how much you can actually build up your, your bike fitness and things like that from continuing to like work on things and yeah, being consistent. Yeah. And just being able to worry about what you need to do from the previous race or anything like that. Like, okay, that's how I went there. This is what I want to work on this week and just being able to yeah. execute that each week with not too many distractions. So yeah. 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 That was definitely a really big highlight. So yeah. Do you think like what we, what we do have here in Australia, do you think it prepares you pretty well for going over to Europe? I think, uh, speed wise. Yeah. Like, our which I think it's been proven time and time again. Like yeah. we've got a Aussie guy that's been there for a few years, like in Will Rupert, which first yeah. race he did over there after racing in Australia, his whole career went one, one and beat, yeah. you know, like a three time two fifty champ that's in, uh, Andrea Verona, like from Italy there. So he, yeah um you know showed that the speed that we have here is really good yeah and now um yeah like he's last year was like winning the championship kind of thing in his third year outright so the speed i don't think is the issue yeah. um it's yeah it's just like i think over there it's probably honestly what i was saying before like just that luxury of training we have here we can do as much as we need yeah over there it's trying to have everything set up in a good way that you can keep that going over there yeah because um yeah sort of from my experience that's what i reckon makes a difference uh as the year goes on is that consistency and being able to keep improving kind of thing so yeah yeah for sure. um but yeah i think what we have here prepares us really well for our speed i think we've seen that like heaps with the top guys like sanders milner and all those boys snodgrass straying like all of us sort of going overseas are really competitive straight away so yeah um yeah i don't think our problem is the speed it's if anything just um yeah the technical technical stuff where it's pretty hard to replicate here because as you said like to most people we'd be racing hard enduro if we did what we had to race over there i think it's more when you get over there like there's nowhere near as much space so they're kind of forced into these areas to have races because yeah you don't have that luxury just going through a paddock and things like that so yeah they do have the luxury of having a test on a beach though I saw at that first round in yeah. Italy I thought yeah. that was pretty cool I thought I don't know if they'd let us do that in Australia no nah, no nah, that's what I mean that that's that honestly is the one thing I love and, and probably miss the most about Europe is they're like dirt bikes in general are so well respected over there like if someone yeah, finds out it. yeah like you'd go to a local cafe or something and say you're an enduro right oh enduro amazing kind of thing like <laughs> yeah. oh top awesome so yeah, it's um, it's a cool feeling. Like if you're, yeah, you wear like a husky team shirt or something. Everyone just kind of looks at you different. Like, oh, he's a he's a racer or a mechanic or something. Like, something involved in racing. Which yeah, yeah. it's um, yeah, it's that side to it. And then you see everyone have locks on every single van, so you know bikes are pretty important over there, kind of thing. So, but um, nah, overall it's it's really cool to to have that because then it opens up possibilities to like towns and cities being like yeah we want you to race on our beach or yeah go yeah. ride through the mountains we don't mind like yeah um yeah that's what it was cool about it like it's a little bit harder to go say like trail riding and have fun kind of thing because everything's so close to cities over there but then they have like a race every single weekend in italy so like if you're an italian yeah. national like you if you wanted to you could race from february all the way through to like october yeah if you really wanted to so yeah yeah there's uh they're they're crazy for racing over there and yeah it's kind of their way to get to the chance to ride everywhere so yeah how, how does it actually 
work like quickly just the the world gp because they do they actually have like a like a qualifying type thing that super sprint or is that just is that for your seeding for the first day or is it that just goes towards your total time yeah so from what i understood of it it's basically your top 10 riders that's the only difference it makes if you're outside the top 10 it's the same as being a hundredth okay like your time doesn't count yeah um but yeah for the top 10 guys it's a difference between okay if you won beat the guy in 10th if you won it and you finished 10th and there was 10 seconds gap you've got a 10 second advantage into the first day yeah right um so still you still are fighting for a bit of time over your competitors but yeah if you have a massive mistake the worst case scenario you're 10th kind of thing so yeah okay it's good in that aspect that it can't destroy your race Mm. i guess um but it's mainly like for the crowd and bringing that excitement to the racing and and we have it always in town so you know the spectators aren't traveling out to somewhere in the middle of nowhere to come watch or anything like that so that's something really cool about it and yeah the excitement's ridiculous for it which is really cool so i think that's a cool thing because that's what is difficult for off-road events isn't it like motocross obviously it's all in one spot pete it's easier to get spectators whereas off-road people like you've got to be a diehard fan to go and walk around out in the bush to watch an off-road event so being able to bring it into a space like that where the public can can get around it's pretty rad yeah exactly right like i think um that's like to me something they do really well over there is they try and attract the you know the spectators and things like that and like in france they blew me away they had beer tents at the top of these hills like in between um in between our special tests i'm like what the hell is their tents like you know we're just driving down like a, a country road and you just see some tents there. i was like maybe that's like a service control or something like that and and then surely enough the first day i come racing through there and i'm coming like, this massive hill climb and there's just people lined up each side of it i was like oh, this is going to be obviously a gnarly hill climb because there's, there's no reason why people would stand there in the middle of nowhere for nothing so yeah Surely enough, I found out one day why I was down there, stumps <laughs> hanging out of the dirt and you can't see them because the sun's in your eyes and whatnot. But um, yeah, this, they they seem to tailor, uh, it's obviously a world event, so they want to do it well. Mm. Um, but yeah, they seem to tailor it around that kind of thing. Like, all right, spectators will want to see this, spectators will want to see that. So yeah, that was cool to just experience and see that that's how they can organize it. Um, yeah. Yeah, obviously depending on which venue you're at, you can make that happen for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in that circumstance, you'd have people on the trail section, which can be gnarly at times, which is one thing the Enduro GP and at times the Italian Championship can be like, but yeah, the World Championship's always a lot more challenging. Like they'll have, you know, say a bad hill climb, that, that'll be for all the Enduro GP riders. And then if there's a National Championship on that weekend, they'll have an easier line for them so that yeah. you know it's still rideable but yeah. it's good for spectators to see what's the difference between a top world rider and and your average you know guys just going out there for fun so yeah yeah they um yeah those few things are really cool about that championship i find yeah it's yeah just uh it's good to follow as a spectator which you know then attracts a lot more possibilities for the sport so yeah for sure um what so what about now you're back home you've been home for a few months now and you're obviously that's why you're here on your way up to queensland for the first round of the alrc um so you're still you're back on the husky so tell us about that that deal you got going on this year yeah so um yeah as i come home it was like a bit of a a crazy time when i got home like i was in two minds like the team i was riding for there were trying to organize something but 
you know, it's um, it's one of those things, like, if you come in and, and sort of beat everyone, it's a lot easier to get support over there. But uh, if you're not that much quicker than a, a European guy, like, it's really hard for them to justify why they'd mm. support you over them, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, um, yeah that's where it was sort of up and down. Like, I, I showed enough for the team to, to like me and, and see potential, but sponsors needed, like, that little bit better result and things like that to lock it in, so... Yeah. Come pretty close to going back this year, um, but just yeah, the way it worked out, couldn't quite afford to do it again. Um, so then it, the yeah, the mind switched. Uh, we'll try and race in Australia, kind of thing, and yeah. figure something out there, which didn't leave us with a whole lot of time. But yeah, luckily I was contacted by uh, Paul Roach from like the Simford Motorsport team, uh, who yeah, they're supported by Husqvarna Australia, and yeah, we were able to organise a deal where I could stick with Husky, um, which was like a bit of a you know, a plan for me to try and stay loyal to a brand that I've been on the last few years and, and yeah. have built a fair bit of knowledge around the bike and things like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I felt pretty comfortable staying on with them and, uh, yeah, to, to be able to race with them, uh, you know, I wanted to be on sort of like a 450 or a 500 again uh, with the racing that we have here and yeah, the style of riding I have, I feel, suits that kind of thing. So, yeah, we just uh, sorted that out, figured out, yeah, what racing I wanted to do, which is sort of like obviously the AORC, like the um, Australian four-day enduro this year, which will be down in Victoria, which will be really cool. Um, yeah. yeah, the Victorian Off-Road Championship as well. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's like a Victorian-based team, so... Yeah. It all, yeah, seemed to, to click pretty good in that aspect. Um, and then, yeah, just sort of pulled things together before Christmas, organised everything in January, and then... Yeah, it's obviously like any year, like you're always chasing your tail before this first round to try and get everything lined up. But yeah, yeah, we've, um, you know, been able to spend some time on the bike and, and get things comfortable there. So yeah, it's all come together in time, luckily. And yeah, now we're yeah on our way, obviously, up to Queensland to, to get the season underway. So yeah, awesome, man. I think it's a good decision. Like you say, you've, you've spent time on that bike. So to like, it's probably a big shift just coming back to Australia and getting back into your routine here but being on the same bike like makes that process a little bit easier right yeah exactly and I think you know and that was in the back of my mind all of last year too was um learning as much as I could from the team because you never know what's going to happen next like yeah you know from speaking to to people during that year like oh for sure you're here next year like you know you're riding good in this aspect but um yeah you just never know how things are going to pan out kind of thing so in the back of my mind I always thought like no like you never know if you're coming back next year so yeah make sure you're you're taking in as much as you can and yeah for me that was being able to live with the team as I go down to the workshop sweep the floors and just you know watch or listen and see what they're doing to yeah pick up maybe some mechanical knowledge or like something where it could help you down the track so yeah um yeah that was really beneficial like to pick up all those things and even to the point where, like, I, halfway through the season, just before the summer break, I fractured my wrist in a training area, which was, like, a massive low spot in the season. But, yeah, um, yeah through that, it was two or three weeks before the six danger they had in Italy. And, and I was weighing up. I was, you know, not able to ride yet. Um, I needed to make sure I wasn't doing anything to aggravate the wrist. And then the yeah. team needed a massive hand because they had so many riders. They supported a six-day race. So, yeah that in itself was a cool opportunity to, to work alongside mechanics and pick up a lot of bits and pieces that can help you to 
I don't know, work on your bike during the week. Um, yeah. You know, look, know what to look for to prevent things going wrong and things like that. So Just even the logistics of that, organize, yeah. helping organise that oh, in the back end, you would have learned tons then. Exactly, like to, to support 30 riders for a six-day race is a logistical nightmare, especially when you've yeah. got like five or six different uh, languages that people speak. So, yeah. Um, nah, that just took in as much as I could to, to help for that, uh, help for my future knowledge kind of thing for all that kind of thing. So, yeah. Nah, that's, um, yeah, it's all, all helped out a lot, especially in this circumstance. Like, I've had a bit more confidence in what direction to head in with things and, um, yeah, and just put it in, put it to work while I'm back here in Australia. So, yeah, nice. <laughs> It's awesome, man. I'm excited to see this weekend. It's going to be like we were sort of talking about last night. It's pretty open, open playing field this year with a few of the obviously Milner and Chucky and Mesa overseas. So, kind of opens things up, and and there's no been no 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 real racing on the national front in off road for like almost two years. So yeah, yeah, exactly. It's going to be pretty cool to see everyone going at it. Yeah, definitely. And that that was the thing. Like I I had two minds about it all. Like I was you know, thinking of that, like, oh, do I save money to try and get back to Europe? Because, you know, I would love to have another go now and know what I'd do from spending a season there. Yeah. Um, or, you know, just do what we can to go racing here in Australia and just try and build our speed up here, which is, there was some key things that I wasn't quite on top of in Europe that I knew I could work on here in Australia. Um, yeah. So I was going to be kicking myself if, you know, I knew what you just said then, like the, the, le- the, the field's so level now with, a few guys stepping out that the racing is going to be probably more exciting than ever. Um, yeah. And yeah, I would have been kicking myself. Yeah. I wasn't part of it. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, uh, I'm excited to, yeah, to see how it all unfolds. And I think for the sport, it's kind of, yeah, to bring like a fresh sort of breath of light. Cause normally we already knew with the way it all was, who was going to be the favorite, who, you know, technically should win with the, yeah. the way it was all panned out. So, yeah. whereas now, like, I feel like there's, you know, five to six guys that could take the overall, depending yeah. on which weekend, who feels the best kind of thing. So, yeah, um, that's where it's going to be, yeah, I think, an exciting year and good to follow. And Yeah, yeah, yeah 100%. So, nice. Yeah, well, I'm excited to see it all come together man i'm pretty confident you'll be right up the pointy end yeah yeah we'll see how we go like for now um yeah we've, we've done all we can do to fit in as much as we could in the time we had yeah um so yeah now it's just a matter of seeing how it all unfolds and yeah doing our best and see where that puts us i guess so yeah for sure have you i see the team you've got a few like different sponsors clothing wise and that is there anyone that you want to thank for uh, the year coming up yeah for sure like i've um which will, yeah, be announced over this weekend. Like, I've been able to lock in, like, a glove sponsor through Fist Handway out there in Queensland, which is pretty exciting. I used to buy their gloves, like, you know, at Ramfest back in the day, riding scooters and BMXs (laughs) and stuff. So, yeah, to lock that in last minute has been really cool. But, yeah, team-wise, we've got some really key sponsors, like, uh, you know, Fly Racing, which, you know, do their gear and stuff like that. And same thing, like, an awesome brand that's progressed so much, and I used to buy their gear back in the day as well. So, it's, like, it's a pretty cool feeling to to look back through my career and be like, oh yeah, like these are these brands that I've always kind of wanted to wear and now I'm wearing them, which the team are supported by, which so yeah, gear wise, it's uh, yeah, Fly City, um, FMF goggles and um, yeah, bike wise, we've got, you know, Bridgestone tires on it. Um, yeah, the good WP suspension, which um, we've been able to get support through those guys as well and, 
and get the bike and, and gear and everything sorted uh, with some good support. So it's, uh, yeah, it's worked out really well. Um, I think we've got a good little package going and yeah, a good uh, couple riders coming through like in our team as well, which would be exciting to see how they progress along as well this season. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, it sounds like a good setup, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, good luck this weekend and I'll be, the, we've got, you've got like back-to-back races, right, for the next, yeah. next few weeks. It's pretty hectic, this first sort of block of the, of the schedule, right? Yeah, yeah, no, it's, um, we pretty much go, yeah, this weekend up in Queensland, um, straight away back to the first round of state titles here in Victoria in yeah. the Yarra Valley there. Um, and then the weekend following up to Whitfield, so not far from here. And then from there, straight to Mackay. So it's pretty much like a month straight of, <laughs> yeah. straight of traveling. So how, yeah. what, how long's from Whitfield to Mackay? What's the drive? Uh, oh, I think it just says, it says like a day and two hours. So obviously <laughs> like 26 hours or something crazy. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's like not a short trip at all. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, um, yeah, I think the old boy's going to come on that one and help us. Yeah, I'll just drive a bit of that skin, luckily. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, but no, it should be good. Um, yeah, luckily, yeah, luckily we got a few like personal sponsors that help us to do all this racing too. So that yeah. like definitely pays dividends when you you know you've got that like month block of racing. So yeah, yeah, without those guys, it'd be a massive struggle. So yeah, yeah, yeah luckily thanks to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well that's awesome, man. Um, thanks heaps for your time. I know you got to get away today, so we'll we'll be mindful of letting you get on the road yeah no thank you and uh yeah thanks for yeah letting us drop in and catch up a bit and yeah hopefully yeah. do another one soon yeah for sure we'll catch up once we get a few races under the belt yeah sounds good awesome